1: And we're the
2: three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Welcome to the party, pal! Did we just become best friends? Yep! Oh, Steve understands the
0: meaning of the word pals, don't you, Steve? So you got three four good pals. Well, then you got yourself a tribe. Me.
3: We're a happy family With a great big hug
2: and a kiss from me Utah. Give me two. Hey, what's up, everybody? Michael Govier here. It's time for a new edition of the Palazzo Podcast. It is a continuation of the show, but this is something a little different. We used to do something called the Rico's Inquisition, and I would grill somebody in the middle, sandwiched between a bunch of other stuff while a guest came on. And we also haven't had a guest on this year, I believe. This will be our very first guest. So I'm going to start calling these Palazzo pals. I made a little graphic, and I'm clever and witty, and look at me, how much fun I have with words. And uh, Deary is still part of the show, of course. We'll do a main episode probably tomorrow, which we've been doing lately on Fridays because of Deary's schedule. So having said that, this will be a quick roughly 45 minutes or so with the guy you see before you if you're watching live and if you're listening to this. You can't see him at all, and you haven't heard him at all. So as far as you know, there's no guest other than the fact that I told you there is a guest. He is a former guest. He's been on the show before. Last year, I looked at the title. It was called Injury Replacements, and it was about a year ago that we did the show with this man. You can also connect with him in many ways. One of them is Twitter, of course, where it's very easy to connect with him. His name is Eric Samolsky, and it's at NYC. On Twitter, he also has a new thing he's doing. It's a Substack. It's called the Somolsky Sunday Tribune, which I had to tell you, Eric. Somebody in the Discord said, "Dude, tell him how awesome the Sue, the brand new Sunday Tribune is." So, Eric, welcome to the show. Respond to all Thanks. of that right now.
3: Yeah, so much. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, happy to be back. Happy to be the first guest. Uh, let's just say it's because. Big moment. we, have, we have to take this in. Really save it. Save it. Um, we're not going to say it's because I messaged you and said, "Hey, can I come on?" But because I was, I've <laughs> just hundreds of thousands of of people. Um, and to your the person in your Discord, uh, thank you very much. Um, as you know, you know, putting out this type of content, engaging in in this work, um, a lot of it is a labor of love. And you know, while many people are playing high-stakes fantasy, um, I am, I'm not one of them. I play, you know, typical fantasy leagues. I play NFBC, but, you know, I haven't really kind of moved into that, like, super, super high-stakes world. So my hope is that I'm putting out content that people find useful, um, that they're using for their own leagues, that's that's helping them. Um, and, you know, anytime you do anything creative to hear that it's it's appreciated and that people find it useful – um, it feels really good. There's a, a sense of validation. So I'm happy about that. We're gonna we're gonna keep churning those out. Um and
2: you know, see if we can
3: help some people win some leagues.
2: Churning is a great term, often associated with butter, but you can churn a lot of different things beyond butter. And Eric, yeah. I think what you said was very, very noble, and I commend you for that. Not everybody is willing to admit who they are completely, truly, and authentically in a public forum like this. And you seem to be able to do that quite clearly. So I appreciate that right off the bat. And that's the kind of guy I want to have on the show or woman or whoever, but you get the gist. I get, I do. Yeah. He does see he's (laughs) capable. So make sure you follow Eric on Twitter, uh, this Sunday, Somolski Tribune is very exciting, and people say they loved it. And you even said in your last written performance on there that you were surprised by the reaction, so you were happy to do it again. And you Good. offer, like, the weekly hard-hit percentage leaders, and you got 2 start pitchers of note. I think it's a great idea. It reminds me, not that it's, I, hey, I did this, but we're all kind of trying to do the same thing here in the end. Not that you're not creating a unique and novel sure. approach, but when I do the... Sure, when I do the Fantasy Baseball Confidential on Fantrax every Monday, I, I'm i kind of doing what you're doing there because I am covering... Maybe I'm writing a little bit more in detail about individual stories, but I want to offer as much random tidbits as I can while reviewing what happened last week and looking forward to this week. But you're also organizing it much more structurally with these categories that people want to know about. So uh, kudos to you.
3: Yeah, thank you. I try and make it easily digestible. And, you know, like after the first one, um, Vlad Sedler reached out and said he thought it was good. And I I was like, listen, I'm trying not to step on your toes because, you know, when you talk about fab content, you know, Vlad's a person who everybody thinks about and he has, you know, th- this article he puts out every Saturday and then updates on Sunday with kind of like basically bidding tips. Um, and so when I put this out, I thought that it would be useful as a way to kind of gather last week's information and a slight look ahead. But I was also cautious of like, you know, nobody has quote-unquote claimed a space in this industry but if you appreciate the work that that people are doing you don't really want to kind of you know pilfer it from them um and so i you know i was happy to hear vlad say that and also you know feeling like (laughs) i i was help, i was uh adding to the space and not trying to kind of like take not take over but you know like push myself into it he still does great work he gives you know specific betting advice which i purposely tried to stay away from thinking that, you know, maybe oh. you could use both of them, um, you know, kind of in tandem together and not really have one replace another, but, you know, have kind of, you know, two pieces of information and, and, you know, have them useful for you uh, to work together to make your
2: best fab bids on Sundays.
0: But I got the connection. Hey,
2: that's you. You are the guy. You got the connections and I dig that. Also, uh, Tigers are playing. Two-nine. That's actually not true. They're playing right now and the game but, may yeah. have just ended, because
3: is it over? Um I was I just I turned my MLB TV to the no offense, but to the Toronto game. Um so <laughs> I, I looked away for a second. Um it did end and the Tigers won three to two. Um yeah! and for for those of us who bet the under, um yay.
2: It's not your fault. <clears throat> uh, it's not your fault. It happens. These things happen all the time. Well, look, I'm glad Eric's here. We're going to get right into it. I've got it defined very clearly. I love to define things and have it all organized as much as I can, kind of like Eric does. And also, we haven't even mentioned the Catcher's Corner. That's your podcast that you do as well. And you had Vlad on as your guest, which yeah. was cool. I was – because usually it's you and uh, Sammy? Sammy. Is that, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sammy's, uh, you and Sammy, Sammy and doing played, your
3: thing. uh played baseball together. We were both catchers. Um, we – are in the same fantasy league. So we just kind of were talking baseball. And it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think we're reinventing the wheel, but it's nice to talk baseball with somebody you like talking baseball about, um, you know, giving some insight from from a catcher's point of view, but we're just kind of, you know, shooting the you know what and hopefully uh, giving people some information they find useful.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a rock solid show. Uh, I don't think it's a bad show. If it was a bad show, I might say, you know, it's not bad what they got going on (laughs) there. But it's actually a rock solid show, which means I think it's a solid, good show. I try to say what I mean. And if I had any tidbits or, I don't know, advice for you, which you did not solicit whatsoever. I'll I'll um, take it, though. Yeah, you know. What do you think makes your show interesting? Or what are you trying to do each week? What is the goal of your show? Like a number one priority? Because everybody has something they're trying to do here beyond the basic, hey, we're playing fantasy baseball, people want to win and they need information. So what is the goal?
3: Yeah, that's a I mean, that's a really good question and something that I think that we sometimes stray from. I think we started with the goal of being like, you know, as catchers, you see the game in a very unique way because the whole purpose of what you're doing behind the dish is to see kind of everything that that goes on, right? And in particular with pitchers, right, you know, you're focused on a lot of things when you're working with a pitcher in a given day, how something is working, how the pitches work together, yada, yada, yada. So we had kind of thought, you know, that we wanted to take that aspect of the of the game and bring it to fantasy content so that it's not just like, hey, this guy's hitting the ball really well the last two weeks. Like you should pick him up. It's like, Hey, look at like, this thing has changed, which it's trying to give a little bit more context to it. And not that people yeah. who are doing their podcast don't have the context or like, Hey, you didn't play baseball. So you don't know. It's not a matter of that. It's just like we felt like we wanted to kind of add to the larger discussion of baseball and not just, you know, give, give tips on who to pick up. Um, and so, you know, I do think there are times where we stray from it and we get a little bit too much into like spouting out stats and giving, you know, recommendations. Um and Sammy's really good about oh. Sammy's uh Sammy's good about, you know, bringing me down from that. And Sammy also, you know, we talked about it like yesterday because Sammy wasn't on, but he brings the energy. You know what I mean? Like he's uh, mm. I'm a little bit too uh, cautious with what I say sometimes. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to poke bears. I don't, you know, any other cliches. Uh, Sammy says what's on his mind. He's got no problem stirring the pot. Um, and so it adds a little bit more uh, flavor to our show.
2: Absolutely. That's the kind of style I like, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I want you to feel comfortable to say anything you feel like saying on today's show, Eric. Don't be shy. This is your time to shine. This is your moment to show the people why you sound so much like Judd Apatow. Do you think so? Oh, my God. I mean, you sound you got to go listen to. There's a podcast that he did recently with uh, he was on Bill Maher, that new show that Bill Maher has. He has a podcast, Club Random. And there's also a show that Jon Stewart does beyond his TV show for Apple Plus called The Problem. And John Apatau was on that recently. And you just I listened to it and you sound just like John Apatau. I swear. People, let me know if I'm crazy or off base with this because I'm hearing it. And that's a good thing. It's just I'll, you sound just like him. It's eerie. I'm I'll hearing him. For it. I'll look for
3: it. I've yeah. heard I look like Jason Sudeikis. I've never heard I sound like Judd Apatow. So I'll definitely take it. Ooh.
2: Okay. Well, that's a new one too. I did not see Jason Sudeikis this month. It's so funny what people see in people with mm-hmm. eyes and cheeks and mouths and the facial structure. And you can see one person. I can see someone completely different. That's that's always interesting to me. Uh, Jeff Whiteley's here. He's one of our Palazzo. Uh, what are you uh, people? Yeah. How about that? That works. That's that works. Good I'll
3: take it. For you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Question for both of you. Who would you say is best fantasy player you have played against? Hmm. So this is uh, a fellow manager, a fellow fantasy mm-hmm. person who likes to spend money and play. Do you have somebody in your league that you would like to shout out? Or is there somebody that other people might know by name? This is a chance to shine.
3: Um yeah, I'm in a I'm in a league right now with Todd Zola, um, which Ooh. he's he's currently beating me. Um and that's somebody who, you know, I know he's, he's been around the game for a while. Um, and, you know, the team in our league is, is pretty good. Um, and then also, um, Mr. Batflip Crazy, Toby, and I are in the same Uh, TGFBI, uh, uh Oh, he's group, good. And he's good. But I, I have to say, like, I think that that's probably an area where I can get better. Um, I, could, I have talked about this for a while, that I think that there's a difference between – fantasy between the content creation side of fantasy baseball and the people and the playing side right fantasy baseball players um i think that i'm pretty good with my content and i think that i could still gain um as a fantasy baseball player and studying what other players are doing and their tendencies is definitely something that i don't do enough of um so you know this Mm. is a good question to kind of bring up like you know, I focus a little bit too much on what I'm doing and not on what other people are doing. And, you know, maybe I can learn a little bit more by focusing on um, some of the trends and techniques and, and strategies of others.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think about it. And I got to say, everybody out there, I commend Dave McDonald from the High Stakes Heat Pod, also known by the Rotosaurus. They have several names over there. Shout out to Dave He lives in Cleveland. It's a dump, but, hey, it's his city, so (laughs) it'll do. It'll do, which is funny. You know, I live in the Detroit area, so who am I to say that about anything? And I also find the warring of Cleveland versus Detroit to be really kind of silly and stupid anyways because we're all dealing with the same problems. We're basically the same damn city, so get over yourselves. But Dave is excellent with injury analysis, and I've taken – I actually took too much of that, Eric. That's something I thought about uh, about a month or so ago. Because some of the draft choices I made when I went to Las Vegas, you know, I took a leap, taking myself to the next level, playing with the big money players in the main event. Yeah, thank you. It was, you know, it was cool. I, I, you wonder, hey, am I as good as these people? And that's kind of how you find out. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. how you finish. Just, uh, what's your process, and do you? Because. you know, if you, the league we have, my main event is filled with a lot of people who are really talented. Scott Genstad and Paul Spohr, Justin Mason. That's just for starters with, there's former champions of the main event in that league that other people might not know, but there is a lot of people. Gee, uh, Jeff Zimmerman, he knows what he's doing. Him and Tanner Bell, they co-write The Process together, which is a great book. If you've never read that out there, everybody, check out The Process. But the bottom line is, uh, I know what I'm doing, and my process is sound, if you will. So I feel, I feel like uh, it's validating in a way just for me, not for anybody else or anything other. I mean, I want to win money, and I want to yeah. win the main event. I want to win these leagues. There's, a competitor in me is fired up and always ready to go. But it was cool to have that understanding. And then I also looked at what I had taken from some of these people. You know, Vlad, you can't help but take some things from Vlad. First off, mm. he's very forthcoming and willing to share. Super helpful, and yeah, he very he very much is so, and he's been kind of a I guess a mentor in, in a way to me. I think I might be even older than him, by the way, but that doesn't matter. He just is <laughs> that slightly, very slightly. But the bottom line is, I take a lot from people more than I realize. When I took an inventory of what I take from people, I realized that, and that's how you come to that conclusion.
3: Yeah, and I, I love that you just said you you went for it. Uh, one day I'll I'll go for it. Also, this year is my yeah. first online championship you know, which was a a bigger money league that I jumped into, um, you know, in the top five in mine right now. So like, you know, a little bit validating early in the season still, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to um, It's, it's good to take chances sometimes and and see where you stack up.
2: Absolutely. It is. And just to clarify the question. So I think Dave McDonald's a great player. He is really good with injury analysis. Vlad is elite with the fab. We all know that. And, Somebody nobody knows, but I've been playing against him for 20-plus years because I've been friends with him for 25 years, uh, is my friend Steve. I actually mentioned Steve on the Roto-Brits pod with Peter Pratt back in the day last year. He was just this random guy that I said his name was Steve. And he was, we talked about Kyle Tucker. And if anybody had caught that episode, you'll know who Steve is. If you didn't, then you'll have no idea who I'm talking about. But my friend Steve is an excellent player. He could do this. He could do what we do. He could do it as well as anybody. I would put him up against any fantasy manager in the game. He just chooses to do his own thing in his life and just play in the home leagues that we play in.
3: Yeah. There are a lot of good people who do that. You know? A lot of Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, There's tons of people. There's
2: yeah, so many people.
3: uh, Yeah. My friend Dave always wins, well, used to win the home leagues we were in together because he's really good at well. And this is also pre-kids when he was like, uh, you know, soaked in all the data and information. But it's also really good at finding the loopholes in the rules. Like, oh, if the rules allow me to do this, then I'm going to be the guy who has, you know, five relief pitchers on my team and I can win all the head to head categories and whatever. And that that takes strategy and skill. Yeah.
2: Do you co-manage? Have you ever tried a co-managing situation? Because that's a doozy. So Sammy and I co-manage
3: a fo- a fantasy football team together. Um, wow, I've, dude! I've never wow. co never co-managed um, fantasy baseball, but maybe one day. I mean, listen, I'm a I'm you know born and bred New Yorker. I have strong opinions. Uh, I you know vocalize them uh, happily and loudly. So sometimes it's hard uh, co-managing. I just think it works with Sammy and I because we've known each other for a while. Even though he's a Jets fan, I'm a Bills fan, and we always argue. He's like. We got to get this jet. And I'm like, shut up. And then we go back and forth forever <laughs> about all that. But uh, it works out in the end.
2: <laughs> yeah, co-managing is, uh, man, it's something. I'd never done it before until last year when I signed up with Eric Cross for the Tag Team League that was created by Maddie Davis, also known as Maddie Wood. Shout out to <laughs> him from the FTN Fantasy, one of Vlad's partners. And... Last year, we finished third. We were in first place most of the year, but we slipped at the end to finish in third, which was still okay. I got some money. But uh, this year, I have found it. I'm just talking about this openly because I can't help myself. Eric, I love you. You're my partner. You, <laughs> I work for you at tracks. All glory to you, Eric Cross. Uh, sure. you him. But uh, I have found that we've had a, several more disagreements this season. Uh, you know, we're not arguing or anything, just philosophical decisions related to players that... He likes that I like, the, how much money I'd like to spend. It all comes down to fab, too, because that's where right. you, you make most of the tough decisions related to your waiver wire, fab pickups, and then lineup decisions, less so. But that's uh, we've had a few challenges there, and man, it's it feels weird because I feel like I don't want to like, he's such a nice guy, and I don't want to be a dick about anything, but I also want to win. So it's weird. Sure. It's, it's a weird situation. I, I'll admit that freely. And that's also as you get more
3: comfortable with somebody, then you see the disagreements tend to start to to rise a little because early on the first ah. year playing with each other you're like I don't want to step on his t- I don't want to say that like we don't really know each other we're not as comfortable around each other and then you get that level of comfort and you can be like I I really don't like I don't want to do that and then you kind of start to
2: <laughs> you know push back and forth with that in that regard that's a great point yeah well said well said we're talking live with Eric Samulski here at Samulski NYC that's S-A-M-E Oh wait, no, it's Samsky. Have I been saying yeah. Samolsky? I'm a dick. God damn it! It's right here on the screen <laughs> at S M S K I N Y C. So at Samsky NYC, very easy. That's even easier than Samolsky. He's taking out the U and the L, making life easier on all of you. We're talking I about you. Got to do it. You got to make a move. We're talking partnerships. We're talking about co-managing. And man, that's strange. That is a strange. Oh, you oh, fucked right. me. See? We had a partnership. <laughs> they had a partnership. It just didn't work out. All the right. Sound so-
3: effects is just so good. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Uh, that's actually from, uh, white men can't jump. That's a really old movie. You know, it's 30 yeah. years old. This movie came out in 1992. Uh,
3: yeah. Long, long time. You know, I, I was an English teacher for like 11 years and I, the amount of times I would show movies and kids were like, Oh, that's so old. And I'm like, I was like 12 when I watched it. It's not, it can't be. Yeah. Adult, can it? Right. Yeah, it is.
2: It certainly is. Yeah. I, I used to be a teacher too. I only taught for five years. I think we talked about that before. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I always showed history movies though. They were I did show the Truman Show once just for the hell of it. It didn't really have anything to do with what we were right. doing. So. I showed the
3: Truman, I used to show the Truman Show every year to um the sixth my sixth grade class cuz we read The Giver. Um, And The Giver is a dystopian novel about a community that's been created in the same way the Truman Show has been created and that uh, choices are limited. And, you know, this idea of like fate versus free will is there free will, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I would show the Truman Show because we always read the book at the same time of year, like right before spring break. So we'd finish it. And then the class right before spring break, I'd show because you're never going to get sixth graders to focus right before spring break but i'd show the truman <laughs> show and then we would do a little like writing <laughs> reflection on you know the the how the similarities exist and you know the discussions of free will and um limitations of choice and things like that
2: you have failed yeah the, you're not always going to win them all there's no doubt about it but no. that is fun you know and people change and then they no longer have the taste that they have for film and uh, as you get older maybe you lose sight of nostalgia and, or maybe you become stronger i don't know I, i'm not really sure about that yet cuz i'm in that I'm in a middle ground. I think we're similar age, right? I'm 41. Uh 37. Oh, okay. So yep. I'm the old man in this situation. But <laughs> yeah. I think we're on a similar generational level, which we both can appreciate. And people change sometimes, and you're like, hey, is that person ever coming back? And sometimes they don't come back. And,
0: and <laughs> you want me to change? Fuck you. Jesus.
2: You don't have to be so vulgar about it. Good lad. All right, let's get into some of these. Things that I actually wrote down to talk about with you, I call them eleven things. These go to eleven because uh, you know it's an honor. Of Spinal Tap, another old movie. Why not? This one goes to eleven instead of ten. Love it. Let's get off with the first one. So let's get off with the. F- <laughs> hey, somebody <laughs> record that. You know, uh, nobody's ever has anyone recorded your audio and sent it back to you yet? Because I do another podcast where a friend of mine he made all these audio clips of things I had said on the show and isolated them, and they sound so stupid when you yeah, hear absolutely. them individually nobody's done it
3: and i'm uh, super glad they haven't yet so
2: I, I didn't mean to put that out there in the ether <laughs> for you um uh, but maybe i just did that i don't know uh jeff wetley says tommy fam just called he wants to co-manage a team with you mike are you in hell yeah gotta, yeah why not i mean that would be entertaining at least it would probably grow the viewership of this podcast me and tommy come on talk about our team let's do it yeah tommy. who'd
3: you, slap, who'd you slap this week
2: yeah, who's your latest victim, Tommy? Is Mike Trout, Jeff Peterson? Who's next? I don't know. Somehow it's going to turn into a circle of life and it's going to end up with Chris Rock somehow. I just know it. It's going to happen eventually, one way or another. All right, let's talk about the importance of June and the overall, you know, the view of the season. So we're coming up a two months in. The season started on April 7th. It's now June 2nd. Uh, how important is June relative to other months? Do you see it more or less or just another month like all the rest?
3: Um, I'd lean more towards just another month. Like all the rest, I think a couple things differentiate one, you know, in your, um, you know, geographic areas of the the country where it starts to get a little bit warmer, you know, you start to see a little bit more offense. We already kind of saw that at the end of may. So there is a little bit of that difference just in terms of, um, you know, seeing a trend change in baseball also, um, June is where we tend to see prospects, more prospects get called up um, just yep. after like super two deadlines and all that stuff happens. So there's some interesting elements of June that make it slightly different. Um, but I still approach it like the same as every other month. Um, you know, I'm still like kind of looking at categories, but not fully looking at categories. I'm trying to get the best players on my roster. I think, you know, as we get towards the end of June, You start to get a little bit more of a sense of, um, you know, if you really have a shot or not. Um, I don't know that like on June 7th, I'm freaking out on July 7th. I might be Uh, so, you know, I like to kind of hunker down in in June and make sure that um, that, you know, uh, I'm still focused on the same things I've focused on before, but that my level of attention hasn't wavered. Uh, But I don't consider it a panic month per se.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I thought about last year. The main event i ended up finishing third in hooray for me yeah woohoo! but in june dude, it looked awful i did not think i had much to offer my team didn't look like it was gonna do much i was kind of in eighth or tenth place i think out of 15 and the struggle was real but i ended up finishing third so it's a reminder that yes june is another month but it's an important month, maybe, where you can start to gain ground, kind of like July is, too. July is where the All-Star break takes place, and you might be a little bit more panicked or taking stock. If you're doing a Dynasty League or Keeper League, you might be selling. and Even by mm-hmm. June, you might be selling. I remember last year, my home league, it all fell apart, and because I had Acuna and Trout. They both got hurt, and by middle of June, the season was basically over. I also held on to Nick Solak way too long, so that was part <laughs> of that mistake.
3: I've uh, I went that I did that dance with him as well. Oh, Sadly. so tantalizing,
2: so yeah. tantalizing. How could I be so stupid? I know everyone's like, why, Mike? Why? But yeah, I, I would agree with you. June, it's a month. Uh, you know, some things are going to happen. Weather gets warmer. Well said. What about Matt Carpenter? Speaking of getting warmer, Matt Carpenter of the New York Yankees now, which is strange to see him in a Yankee uniform after being a Cardinal for so long. Uh, he hit a home run off Shohei Atani in an outstanding at-bat today that was very entertaining. Are you targeting him in 12-team leagues? Uh, I mean, it seems like in 15-team leagues, leagues, he's viable right now.
3: So no in 12s. Um, 15s, yeah, because um, I just I want hitters in that lineup if they're going to play regularly. Um, I don't necessarily think, you know, at 36 years old, we're seeing a rejuvenated um, Matt Carpenter, you know, he's hit under 200 each of the last two seasons. The batting average has been trending down recently as the strike up, as the strikeout rate has been going up. Um, you know, so I, I do, I, it's so it's still it's too early for me right now to really say we're seeing something drastically different. Um, the AAA numbers, you know when he was at the Rangers this year are are good. The strikeout rates down and the walk rates up. But again, he's a thirty six year old, like twelve year major league veteran. If he's not performing well at AAA, like what are we even doing here? Um, so to me, that's not like a super actionable thing. But I but he's still got some pop. Left handed hitters in Yankee Stadium, uh, you yeah. know, are are super useful for fantasy because pop ups can go out. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not running to add him in 12 team leagues. I think if you, you know, you have a spot in a 15 team league, sure. Why not? Um, You know, he's in a really good lineup and he might give you some, some stats, but I wouldn't be saying like, I'm going to pick up Matt Carpenter and, you know, I'm holding him for like, it's a, you know, a diamond in the rough and I'm going to hold him for the rest of the season or, or whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Did you know Matt Carpenter is six foot four? He doesn't seem like he's six foot four.
3: It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to me. I did not, I didn't know that until I, until I looked it up that like he's, he's a, in, in 210,
2: like he's a pretty big dude. Yeah. I did not, I've watched, I used to love Matt Carpenter. I mean, Yankees fans get to know Matt Carpenter. Pleased to meet you, Matt Carpenter. When he was on the Cardinals in his prime in my home league, which was OBP, that was. I mean, he hit that year. He had 36, 37 bombs. And he was borderline MVP candidate about what was it, about five years ago off the top of my head. That was amazing, Matt Carpenter. And I was like, wow. But that was as good as it was ever going to get because he started to miss more and strike out a lot more. And Yankees fans, I, I mean, don't get too attached because it could just tank real quick. And Josh Donaldson will return, and they've got injuries, but they're still playing so well that they could be patient thanks to a guy like Matt Carpenter showing up. I okay. fine to meet you. I'm fine to meet him. Yes, it is. But uh, I agree with what Eric said there. OBP leagues, a little more interested in Carpenter. Otherwise, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, third base is such a – is third base a nightmare this year? Or is that just a rumor? Uh,
3: I mean, I think, you know, we definitely thought it was earlier in the year. I would say, like, you know, there have been some guys that have emerged to make it a little bit less of a nightmare. Um, you know, I think that Hunter Dozier's been solid in, in deeper leagues. Um, I have, you know, fair share of him. But like then, me yeah, too. I too. Get too much Yoan Moncada, um, and yeah, me too. <laughs> just a, disa- a disaster. Um, you Why know, do we I do like, it, Eric? Why do we do I it? Really Why like do we do Christopher Morrell, and in like Yahoo leagues, he he's third base eligible because he's a third baseman in the minors. So like there are these guys that pop up, um. But yeah, it's a it's a rough position, um. But the, so is like, I'm struggling to find like a second baseman right now. I had one team that had Brandon Lau and. Gene Segura uh, and so like I look at the waiver wire and I'm like I, I don't know I guess I'm like I can't even roll with you know Wendell because he got hurt so it's like am I playing the John Birdie game right now like maybe I am and you know there's value there but it's it's frustrating to look at like adding you know John Birdie to your team or Cesar Hernandez on, on the Mad <laughs> Nationals team and saying like this is my starting second baseman <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay. I hear what you're saying there. Um, why did we do Moncada? What was it about it? Are we just still hoping on hope? Is that what you were doing? Because I, I just didn't want to miss the year where he finally put it back together. And I thought COVID was part of the reason he struggled in the 2020 Bozo season. That was my take.
3: I think I I was just thinking where he was going in drafts that even just the baseline of what we had gotten previously would be usable in that lineup that like I'm going to take the hitter in that lineup who's going to play every day lots of at bats I didn't expect like you know he was going to all of a sudden start running um but you know I I thought that there'd be a lot of production around him runs RBI opportunities stuff like that um he's been hurt hasn't looked good and uh you know going down Tim Anderson going down, Robert in and out of the lineup like that that whole lineup has just not been the like juggernaut you wanted a piece of,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, right about that it's going to take a miracle for sure it would take a miracle yeah it will I don't think we're going to get the makado we ever hoped for, and I just want to be healthy and play i don't know seventy five games this year, I mean just mm. these leg injuries, and if he doesn't take care of himself properly, it only exacerbates. The injury. So, hey, be forewarned. I will tell you, back to your second baseman conundrum. Luis Garcia of the Nats is a fine addition if he's available (laughs) right now. Got called back up the other day. I really like his profile. In fact, our prospect guru, Mr. Phil Goyette himself, shout out to (laughs) Phil, he says, he said this on the show yesterday, that he wouldn't be shocked if he had a Soto-like rise in his development. So, interesting
3: uh yeah, yeah the, the the um the triple a numbers were really good um this year and you know i wasn't really sure when they were going to call them up i had read um you know some nationals uh beat writers suggesting it wouldn't be until like later in the summer because of you know insert roster manipulation service time manipulation reason here mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean you know Strikeout rate low, walk rate, you know, creeping up around ten in the minors, uh, you know, eight home runs in in twenty two or sorry, forty-two games. Like I, I'm I'm interested. Obviously, you know, with Bell and Cruz and Soto, there are some talented bats in there. Um, so yeah, I like that call.
2: I love him. I think he's viable right now in fifteen team leagues. If Luis Garcia is available, pick him up now because you might regret not doing so in a couple months. And I agree with Phil who originally said that. So just a case you're confused. Bill Goyette, you're my hero. Aww. Uh, what's the best thing you watched recently? Is there something you watched that you said, wow, you know, I remember that. Um,
3: we're going to go beyond baseball here, right? We don't have to talk baseball. I mean, I, I like watching baseball. That's but, right. Uh, my, my, my wife and I are in the middle of watching Severance right now. Oh! Apple TV. Um, really enjoying that. It's, there are episodes of it that are weird as all hell. Um but I dig it. I like the mystery behind it. Um, And then I recently finished watching uh, the last kingdom on Netflix. If anybody just likes a good, good old Viking show um, really good. Uh, It's been, it did, they did five seasons. I think Um, the storylines have always been really good. The character development has been really good. Uh, Sometimes you just want to watch some, you know, hot people killing each other, dressed up as Vikings (laughs) from back in the day um you know all clearly british but kind of putting on weird accents um but yeah super enjoyable um so those are two things i watched recently that i really liked oh and top gun maverick i mean oh you saw it yeah just uh really entertaining um i just i love a good action movie like just a good dumb action movie uh i you know yes i watch all the marvel stuff but it doesn't need to uh you know, I don't I don't need to have that kind of stuff. Sometimes I just want Tom Cruise lathered up playing some beach uh, beach volleyball or beach football in this case and you know, flying planes aggressively.
2: <laughs> hey. Who could who could deny that? Yeah. This is so I mean I'm gonna get emotional here. I'm gonna have to turn this off. I'm gonna get emotional.
3: It just right. makes you feel a certain kind of way.
2: <laughs> all right so wow top Gun maverick has got way way too much hype from everybody that i know who has seen it so i really feel yeah. like yeah we gotta my, my brother brought are it up the other all, day was like we gotta go see that so we they're all see of
3: it. a uh similar uh age demographic
2: yes yes
3: i think it's just like you know it's i just really enjoyed the the nostalgia of it um and i love that it was just kind of like one of the old school action movies that I grew up on. And there's some hat tips to Top Gun, but not overly so. And it wasn't longer than it needed to be. And there's nothing about it where you're like, you know, it wasn't spectacular, but it was just a really entertaining watch.
0: Okay.
2: Well, I can find out. Oh, Jasper is the best. Love you, Jasper. Good to see you, my friend. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great weekend. It's well, it's Thursday. Your weekend Thursday. will start. Maybe your weekend starts on Thursday. How the hell do I know? Uh, Good for you. I, it does. Yeah. More power to you, Jasper. All right. So, Top Gun 2, folks. It's a doozy, apparently. Watch
0: out for that first step. It's a doozy.
2: How about <laughs> this one? Okay. Wow, you're still laughing? Come on, Ned. Now, this is... Uh, maybe it's unfair of a question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, what are some of the most important indicators for somebody who might develop some more power, some more hit tool uh, might steal some more bags uh, as a hitters overall, what are some indicators that you'd like to focus in on for potential future performance? That would be beneficial to your fantasy team. There we go. How I said that was much better. That's all I want to say it.
3: So uh, actually a couple weeks ago, um, I had John Anderson, who's a fellow uh, roto baller writer on the podcast. And we were talking about it because um, John and I have gotten into some friendly uh, online, Uh, Twitter debates about whether or not hot streaks exist. Um, And he, as, you know, a data scientist kind of says that hot streaks aren't real. So we were talking about what would project, what would indicate a hot streak. So we actually talked about things that we would look for, for future performance. Um, So for me, some of the things that, you know, some of the things that we highlighted, um, I really think uh, contact rate. So just how often the hitter is making contact and whether that's going up, um, or not recently, I think, um, so that also ties into like swinging strike rate. If you're seeing real improvements in swinging strike rate, uh, then I think you're starting to see a hitter who is making more contact, which could lead to uh, better results in the future. I look at hard hit rate, um, you know, not just barrels, but like, are they making a lot more hard contact recently? Because if the results aren't there, but they're making more contact and they're making more hard contact, then that tends to be a precursor to good results. Um, and I'll look a little bit at like launch angle, only in the sense that like, if somebody's making really hard contact, but their launch angle over that time is like zero degrees then you know that maybe it's not going to be like a major boost. Like we see this with Nathaniel Lowe all the time, right? He crushes the ball, his launch angle. I talked about this in the Sunday tribune, like his launch angle was literally 0.4 degrees over the week that he was hitting the ball really hard. So the batting average was high, but he wasn't really getting anything else. So that's just a way to determine how excited uh, I'm
2: going to be. <laughs> I love when you get excited. Let's get, Eric Samolsky fired up here. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at SamskyNYC. If you don't do that, then you're only going to miss out. You're only hurting yourself because he has a lot to offer. And that is a great answer. I think contact percentage, we talk about it a lot, but sometimes it seems like we talk about it more with pitchers when – You would think we'd want to know a lot more about the contact that hitters are making. And we do talk about hard hit rate, but it doesn't go beyond that. Contact percentage, you know, how often they're swinging those types of things and putting those together, that is interesting to me. And I've been really diving into that a lot more this year. So I like what you're saying. I think, And I also, the hot hand fallacy, which they say is a fallacy. Data scientists will say that. But uh, I think it's it's real. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You can't really put a... A quantifiable tangible number on it necessarily, but sometimes, and very rarely do I say this the eye test, sometimes it, it's I, worth using.
3: I agree. I that was my argument to John is like it's hard to argue, it's hard to really like give you a reason other than having been in the situation infrequently for me because, um, I wasn't as good as you know a lot of my teammates, but like I've seen you know in college, I saw a lot of teammates who just crushed the ball for a few weeks. They just felt like you know the stereotype of I'm seeing a beach ball, but it was just like everything felt locked in. And hitting is so rhythmic; it's so much about you know the rhythm and the timing and the the repetition of the the swing. That like there are some guys when you feel good and you have so much confidence when you're in that box, the rhythm of the swing is different you know, and everything just kind of seems to fall in place for, for a little bit of time.
2: I am always going to buy into and believe in streaks. In fact, I base a lot of my own fantasy decisions on streaks. A guy like, uh, let's see, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, great example. A guy who's struggled. But recently, last two games, two hits apiece each game. Last game had two hits and two walks. He is going to start turning it out, and if maybe it's not a case of streaks, Eric. Maybe it's a case of the law of averages. There's certain players that you know they're just not going to be that bad, and if they are that bad, eventually it will turn around. The question is, when is the point when they get to turn it around, and how much damage can you take on before you're like, "Oh my God, my fantasy team is drowning," and you're killing me? Yeah, yeah, I, and I think
3: that's you know that's kind of how John and I left it too, with an agreement that. Maybe it's not a hot streak. Maybe it's, you know, regressing to the mean or the law of averages coming. Whatever, however you need to rationalize it to yourself. Um, I'll still say it's a hot streak or a cold streak.
2: Works for me. I'm fine with it. I don't think we have to kowtow to anybody, Eric. That's what I say. <laughs> Between you and me, okay? Uh, now, this next one, this is a tough one for Eric. I don't know if we're going to get a good answer or not. I asked him to share a tale about your life that you would find entertaining or that we would find entertaining. Can you share a tale from your life experience that is entertaining?
3: Um, so I'll say this only because uh, the last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on sleeper in the bus with Justin Mason, uh, Jason Collette. And Turn Justin it. was like reading off my, the Twitter bio. And he came to the part in the Twitter bio where it says that I was air dog in NBA jam. And he um, was kind of like, he didn't fully Seemed like he was like, something about NBA Jam. So, um, my dad worked at Acclaim, which is one of the companies that uh made the video game NBA Jam, yes. Um, and not like from scratch, Midland is the arcade company. Acclaim turned it into the home console. And because my dad was one of the project managers, um, I was a hidden character in NBA Jam. Um, so I am the hidden character air oh. dog in, in NBA Jam.
2: Wow, that. Is incredible. Dude, that's the, that was a great story. If I had never heard that story, uh, I would have been uh, sad.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I still give my dad a hard time. Uh, I can't shoot to save my life in that game. Um, all I do is dunk. <laughs> uh, but, you know, growing up, I, I used to, I used to um, kind of nullify that weakness by playing with the Orlando Magic. And I would play with Scott Skiles. Um, and we it was just him and I, two of the tiniest white guys you've ever seen on the court, and he would only shoot, and I would only dunk. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a match made in
2: heaven. 30 assists in a game. Scott Skiles did have the record for most assists in one game until it was broken, I believe, by someone recently. Uh, anybody in the live chat has the answer to that, let me know. But I believe I'm correct in what I am saying. Uh, wow. That was fantastic. I feel good about that. That was a doozy. Um, has the baseball changed recently? Are you noticing anything? Uh, do you actually, I guess I should ask you, are you one of these people that clearly sees that the baseball changes often because it does?
3: Um, I, I think that I, I think it's changed. I like to think that, I mean, I, sometimes I think, oh, that's definitely a different baseball. I don't know. I don't really know unless you feel the baseball. You know what I mean? I believe the pitchers who were saying earlier in the year, like it's a different baseball every inning I'm out there. You know, these are guys who, right, exactly. These are guys who are out there all the time. They understand that little difference. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of people who are smarter than me who have talked a lot about how that doesn't necessarily have to be a different baseball as much as it's a different way that different teams are storing the baseballs. Because now that everybody's using a humidor, it's not like they're all, they all have like essentially a wine fridge in a room somewhere and the baseballs are lined up. You know, they are all storing it differently. Um, and there's been a lot of that's been written and discussed about how that changes the way the baseballs play. So, you know, do I think it's a brand new baseball? I'm not entirely sure. I, it doesn't, I'm, I'm cynical enough to believe that the MLB would just slip in a new baseball and not tell anybody and get more offense back. So people stop criticizing them. But I do also think that certain parks are going to play different this year because certain teams are storing baseballs differently than they have. And it's going to change the, the flight. And um, you know, Eno know, said uh, in one of his podcasts on rates and barrels that if you went from a stadium that didn't have a humidor to a stadium that did it, uh, it could take about 10 feet off of a fly ball. On average. Man.
0: That is the yes. most ridiculous yes. piece of philosophical bullshit I
2: have ever heard. Actually, that makes total sense to me. I just wanted to play that drop. It made sense <laughs> to me. Uh Scott Skiles, man, haven't heard that name in a while. That's right, Jasper. We're talking Scott Skiles on the Palazzo Podcast here live with Eric Smolski. Eric. Um What's a song that would play at your funeral? Do you have one lined up or is it still undetermined as of today? Uh maybe you don't think about your funeral that much, and maybe you shouldn't. Uh I don't think that's unhealthy to think about that stuff, but what say you?
3: I would say it's definitely still undetermined, but I but I'll say that so Somolski is obviously Polish. Um my dad grew up um a Polak in Buffalo. Um Tanawanda represent. Um and so one of the things he told me was that like growing up um, a lot of the traditional um, the Polish, like, I guess I'd call them, not even really ceremonies, but like um, gatherings after somebody died were not necessarily always sad. It was like, people would rent out a rec hall and it would be open for like, you know, the entire weekend and the family would stay there and people would come and drink and party and hang out and bring food. They'd go home to shower and they'd come back. Um, and so You know, I don't know what song would play per se, but I like the idea of the funeral being a longer celebration of the of the life and not necessarily like a sad two hour service, but something where like you get a bunch of people together, they're drinking and hanging out and telling stories for the weekend and and they're just kind of having a good time and remembering you that way. And I think I'd prefer that being the final way people thought about me than something more somber
2: actually this is a great maybe i should ask this one because jeff says allison chains man of the box can also use it as walk-up music uh do you have a walk-up song then if you want to feel your best self as you step into the box you got something that would jazz you up
3: yeah in college i used uh
2: house of pain jump around oh that's a great call that's a smart play um you I often think, though, maybe there's a song that you want to focus in on, though. You don't want to get too hyped. But would you ever step into the box and want to like take a breath, right? You want to be focused, not too, like, because it's not football where you're coming off the like, line, right? Yeah.
3: I, I always, I looked at it like I just liked the, I liked the beat. I liked the the beginning, um, you know, the beginning kind of the way it builds up before you get, this is like pre-electronic like electronic music drops, but before you get, like, the song really kicks in, Um, and it just always made me feel good. Like I wasn't like I, you know, wanted to go tackle somebody, but it just kind of like had a nice rhythm to it that made me feel like kind of relaxed and good. And, um, it mellowed me. Uh, and I think also for me, like I was such a head case when I played that. Wow. Something that just kind of took my brain off of like overly aggressively focusing on like what was happening, but just kind of like relax, get in the box you know, uh, chill the brain out a little bit and just, you know, focus on doing what I need to do,
2: um, was helpful. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I'm all for that. I mean, what a great intro too. You're right. I forgot about the intro before the song kicks in. Yeah, that's good. You're right. That's good. Okay. I feel it. I want you to feel good too on the show here. So I'm trying to get you in the mood so you're focused, but I always think that's fascinating because I play a really silly game called softball Uh, which is just adult rec league softball. You know how it works. Love it. I still love softball. Oh, you do? Okay, cool. Yeah, I enjoy playing. I just love playing the field more than anything. I actually don't love batting as much as getting out there in the field, but I always take a breath when I step in the box. I'm like, "Ah, okay, I I get so excited. No one cares. I'm just some 40-year-old dude stepping in the box in a suburb of Michigan. So it's not a big deal, but I always feel, like, excitable when I step in, so I try to relax just for a moment.
3: I, I get my same same routine you know deep breath focus on something I, I get all of that yeah i'm with you yeah see
2: hey all right i'm making sense with the guy who played better ball than i ever could uh that was a solid answer i appreciate that we're talking live with eric samolsky this is the plausible podcast two l's two z's utah follow us on twitter hey, me too and you can find the discord for free in fact that's where we got some questions i forgot to ask this question uh this is from Powder Rats, also known as Patrick. Hello, Patrick. He says, uh, feels like catcher position has many options this year. Will catchers be pushed down next year during the draft because we can wait longer on guys? Uh, very good question. And actually, I just submitted
3: an article today on the catcher landscape uh, to Roto Baller. So that will hopefully be coming out this weekend, uh, which will be a full and free uh, breakdown for you to to peruse. Um I'll say just, um, as a way of kind of giving a little teaser to that while also answering the question, um, no, I wouldn't push it down. Um, I would only push it. I would say it can be pushed down in, if you're playing in like an NFBC 15 team league, like two catchers, then yeah, I think you're starting to see that, um, when you get, if you're not somebody who like pays up for the, for the top two or the, you know, pays up for your two catchers, you're starting to see that um, there are some guys you can rotate in and out. Um, But what I noticed when going through just kind of like some offensive static, uh, some offensive category stats uh, and uh, some like leaderboards, some current fantasy leaderboards is that um, currently right now, nine of the top 15 catchers in fantasy were drafted amongst the top 15 picks overall at the catcher position. Um, And three of those three guys that are not included in that um, are JT, Real Mutel, Salvador Perez, and Yasmadi Grandal, who are off to slow starts. Mm. And Salvador Perez is obviously hurt. So if you're looking at overall value, he's not there. So like I still would draft them among my top 15 catchers right now, if the season started, which means 12, of the first 15 catchers drafted are likely 12 of the top 15 catchers currently in fantasy. Um, So I still (laughs) think, you know, your, your top guys are the guys you want. And then yes, you wouldn't have drafted Jonah Heim or William Contreras, um, you know, but you can still throw those guys in in your 15
2: teams or your, or your two catchers. Um, But yeah. Wow. I will say, my old friend. He's still my friend. I hope you're out there, Paul Mamino. Shout out to Paul. Paul is a great follower. I haven't talked to Paul in a while. I got to catch up with Paul Mamino. He was at P Mammino Fantasy on Twitter. He was all over Jonah Heim in the preseason. He was very excited about him. So hey, looks like you were onto something, Paul. Because I like what I've been seeing out of Mister Heim down there. Uh, Jasper goes back to Highway to Hell or Ride the Lightning as his. Uh, I don't know if that's a funeral song or <laughs> the. <laughs> The walk music song. Let's hope uh,
3: Highway to Hell
2: isn't your funeral song. But you know, to eat your own. Eat your own. <laughs> Ride that light and strike to hell. <laughs> Patrick says fair. Thanks for the answer. Well, that was that's him. There's You're welcome, the guy. Patrick. Hopefully you read the article, you can check it all out absolutely wrote a baller get there also on the discord richard sands said he wrote to you to tell you how great your smolsky sunday tribune is so
3: he did it was people a, are thinking a, about you they like you A much a much appreciated uh email i you know i, I really appreciated that the, you know taking the time to reach out so thank you richard
2: yeah. Rich is a great guy. Shout shout, to me, Rich! Shout. Oh my God. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, Double just, time. The board Double took shout. out a life of its own. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right now the dog is humping a blanket. This is hilarious. I wish I could show this right now. It's so funny. Okay. Go to town. <laughs> uh, how important is runners in scoring position average batting average with runners in scoring position to you in fantasy? Do you consider it? Or is it just something that is more of a overall baseball stat for winning baseball games?
3: I'm going to go with more of an overall baseball stat. Um, I don't honestly could tell you that I don't really look at it as a fantasy player. Um, maybe I should. Maybe that's you know a weak spot in the game. I need to I need to consider, um, but I think also you need to keep it keep in mind the larger context too. So you know, if two hitters both hit two fifty with runners in scoring position, but one plays for the Red Sox and one plays for the Royals. The hitter who's hitting 250 on the Red Sox with runners in scoring position is going to knock in a lot more runs just because of opportunity. Um, so it's a little, it's useful to a certain extent, but I would, I would think of more like I'd rather take the, I'd rather take the guy who's going to be up with runners in scoring position more often than just a guy who hits better with runners in scoring position.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Let
0: me tell you something. You're suspect.
2: Well, I don't think you're suspect. I think Eric's great. (laughs) But I've been thinking about, we don't talk about it very often, and it came up in the show last week. Because yeah, we don't really talk about batting average runners in scoring position. It, It produces runs, but then again, yeah, the team context changes things too. So I'm curious about it. It's something I'm diving into a little bit more, and I just wanted to get your quick take on that. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, How has Russell Crowe impacted your life? It's brought me
3: much amusement. Um, I mean, listen, Gladiators like Gladiators is a phenomenal movie. Love it, classic. Um, It's you know, I are you not entertained? Will be something that's in my head forever um, as a saying. (laughs) So you know why not? Um, You know, I I think that movie is great. Uh, Cinderella Man is phenomenal. Um, I also really liked um, uh, the nice guys with with him and Ryan Gosling. Uh, there's right. just been there's been so many movies of his that I really liked. Uh, 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 Beautiful Mind is really good. Um, the Insider, L A. Confidential, is a phenomenal movie. Um, so yeah, I'd say that Russell Crowe, um, you know, his weird tabloid stories aside, his news stories aside. Um, has brought me much entertainment and enjoyment in my life. And uh, I I like to thank him for that.
2: Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. We have a Russell Crowe channel in the Discord, the Plaza Podcast Discord, which is completely free. And you can just drop in your favorite Russell Crowe gif anytime you're feeling like it. I got to give total credit to Patrick Ryan for that because he's the one who came up with it. Thank you, Patrick. You're the gif that keeps on giving all year long. Uh, Two more questions. We're out of here now this is uh five players, so if you can't hit all five, I'll understand. But let's let's aim high. Let's go for it. Let's aim high. Give us five players whose stock may or will rise in June this month, right now that we actually are involved in. Aim high, Willis! Aim high. Uh, so we're gonna test
3: out we're gonna test out the um formula that John Anderson and I came up with when we were deciding if you could if you could predict if hitters were going to get hot or not. Um, and so we looked at, um, and I say we, cause I verbalized it, but John as the data scientist put together the whole, uh, you know, the whole tableau <laughs> and the algorithm. Um, but it's comparing uh, contact rate to career contact rate, um, exit velocity to career exit velocity and uh, chase rate. Uh, to career chase rate to see who's overperforming, you know, their career norms without currently the results and that the results will follow. Uh, So five names that stand out to me uh, that are on that list, will go with uh, Ramon Laureano, Hunter Mm. Dozier, uh, Anthony Santander, um, Joey Votto. And then just as a catcher, I'm going to throw a catcher out there. Uh, Cal Raleigh uh, who ah! two years in a row Cal Raleigh has been in my bold predictions column um, because two years in a row I've said he's going to finish top five amongst catchers and home runs because I think his power <laughs> is that legitimate um, and for two years now he's struggled to make consistent contact with uh, major league pitching Um oh. but yeah the co- the contact rate is a little bit above um you know, where his where his career is. The chase rate um, is a little bit below where his career chase rate is. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go out on a limb and say Cal Raleigh as well.
2: So this could be found in your sub stack, is that correct? Well, I will, This can be found in,
3: in John Anderson's sub stack, which is also oh, free. Okay. Um, oh. But, uh, well, some of his stuff is free, but that that's part of it. And, uh, yeah, we're going to... So that will I can currently be found in there, but he and I are going to write an article um, or, you know, one of us will write it and we'll hat tip the other one. But once we kind of see if it plays out over the next couple of weeks, we'll see if there is a way or not to kind of start to identify who could or or couldn't be getting hot.
2: Excellent. Follow John on Twitter at J-O-N-P-G-H. That's J-O-N-P-G-H. And he had a tweet here on May 31st where he was talking about he'll do more explaining of the sub soon, and three hitters that were qualifying for the last seven days versus the last seasons, right, last three seasons, Mm -hmm. were Hunter Dozier, who you mentioned, but also Jose Ramirez, who is, you know, he's an elite stud, so you're not going to be able – you should expect greatness from him. And then uh, Garrett Cooper was another name, so that's interesting to see Garrett Cooper in the mix, who was getting more run in last week's fab, but was also in Vlad's fab-whispering article, so – Mm-hmm. Uh Joey Votto, to me, is a guy that I was worried about initially, and we had some good breakdowns. In fact, I think it was Dan Zimborski on Fangraphs who wrote about him when he was pre-injury on the IL for the COVID IL, which ended up lasting for a couple of weeks, that it looked like maybe things might be ending for Votto, but I didn't bail on him in my home league, which is where I had him as a keeper last year after incredible Incredible power surge, which I thought he could still do because he was mm-hmm. making a tangible, simple change to me, which was, I'm going to strike out more, but I'm selling out for more power. That's just what I'm doing in my career right now. And I thought that made a lot of sense And he was so talented and such a knowledgeable player that even at 38 years old, I was like, that's fine. Let's do that. I'm going to ride it in 2022.
3: Yeah, I, I have him in so many leagues. Um, And, you know, it was one of those things where, the first half of the year was really bad, and it's not like it's hard to be like your have your your argument be it's Joey Votto. Like if there's somebody <laughs> who's going to figure it out, who's going to make the change, it's him. Um, and I do kind of think that like the the trip to the you know the IL um, and the rehab stint after he got you know was on the COVID IL it is a little bit well-timed. Like he has come back from that looking good. He's come back like uh, looking like he's got a little bit more of um of, you know, the old school Joey Votto plan of attack. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fully on board. Uh, I, I think we're going to, I still hope we're going to get the Joey Votto that many of us hoped uh, we were going to get early on. Um, and I should also note that uh, another guy that made the list who I've talked about um who I didn't say will get hot in June because he's been hot so far. Uh, but Trey Mancini um, has also been looking pretty good. Uh, he's hitting 308 on the season. Um, the power hasn't really been there, but the strikeout rate is a career low. The walk rate is a career high. And that's what has ticked up um, in the hot hitter tracker that, that John put together is that his contact rate is way up over his career norms, Um, His exit velocity is up over his career norms. His chase rate is way down. Um, So we might get a little uh, hot stretch from Trey Mancini coming up too.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, and he could be a trade candidate too because the Orioles will sell him at the deadline. Most likely, most likely, Uh, but... You never know for sure, but it is the Orioles. That's great. That's good stuff. He's also rocking a 134 WRC+, plus, which is not too shabby at all. So yep. I'd like to see that. Uh, finally, as we close out the show here, there's some great names, a lot of content and knowledge and wisdom from the ever-wise Eric smolsky that I thought was useful. But can you explain to me, uh, what, what are Dippin' Dots? I don't get them. I don't understand. I've never had them, and I just think they, well, they're ice cream. They're the ice, they're the ice cream of the future. Right, because they're... They're not dairy, so you could save them forever. I don't know. Um, I
3: think here's what I
2: think. I think when they came out, which was
3: decades ago, yeah, um, it was the idea of like, hey, what if we look? What if it looks like it's ice cream in space? Right? Like, what would space <laughs> ice cream look like? And I remember that these pots. Um, And listen, I, I had some as a kid. They're tasty, good. It's it's not as good as regular. Like, it's not the ice cream of the future because I like regular ice cream. Um, I need it in dot form, but what I love about the marketing is you can't say they're wrong because they're the ice cream of the future and they don't have to tell you when that future is going to (laughs) be, it's just the future. And at some point in time, they will be the ice cream of the future. And when that is who's, who's to say, um, but that's the genius of the, the dip and
2: dots marketing campaign. Oh, man, I guess you're right. Hey, 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 what is going on here? I don't know what's going on here. I just had to know. I don't get it. I still never tried them, so I guess I got to try them first, but it's still a mystery to me. I remember Space Camp and Dippin' Dots, something about that a long time ago. But that's it. That's the show for now. We want to thank Eric Simulski for joining us. What a pleasure it's been. So much that he offers. The Catcher's Corner podcast is an excellent show that you definitely want to be a part of. Go rate it, review it, follow it, connect with it. Make sure you follow Eric on Twitter. He writes for Rotaballer at Samsky NYC. That's S A M S K I, not Samolski. It's Samsky NYC, New York City. He's from Buffalo, but you live in the New York area now, right?
3: Well, fa- family's from Buffalo. Uh, I'm born oh. and raised in New York. Ah, uh, been here, been here my whole life except for college. Uh, so you know, been here.
2: yeah, Buffalo's uh, not New York, of course. So
3: well, oh, listen, Buffalo Bills the only New York football team. Um, we'll uh, Yeah, I appreciate that Also, uh, I do a bunch of sports betting Work for um, AM New York So AM yeah. New York Sports um, You can check that out, that's on my Twitter account And there's a big shout out to my boy From Baller Thunder Dan Palio uh, love, love Thunder Dan uh, Dan and I have been working on a betting model Together um, And we both kind of put out picks every day That are connected to that betting model um, Over-unders, money lines, first fives uh, Dan is a class act, great dude, um, and his betting picks are top-notch. Uh, so make sure you check uh, check out both of our Twitter accounts uh, for the kind of insight into that stuff. Um, and I do, for AM New York, I do a daily MLB betting guide. So every day I list all the games on that day, give you the starting pitchers, give you, you know, last five um, or sorry, last 10 games, you know, average runs scored, runs against, oh. team ERAs. And then I give you my uh, my free pick of the day for that game. So if you're if you like even just casual, hey, we'll throw two dollars on it, have some fun, see if Eric's right, um, you can check that out um, at uh, AM New York Sports on Twitter, uh, or also I, I put them on my own Twitter account.
1: Yeah.
2: Hey Doc, what happened to your foot?
1: What I
0: don't understand is
1: when you owe a bookie a lot of money and you say blows off one of your toes,
2: you still own the money. Doesn't seem fair to me. Yeah, I don't get it. Doesn't seem fair it's to me not, either, Chevy. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> uh, yes, Jasper th- says, "Good show. Take care. Thank again." Uh, Patrick says, "Never had the Dippin' Dots. No, never had the Double D, Patrick. I'll have to get on that as soon as I can." But. I forgot about the betting stuff. I should have mentioned that earlier because I was more curious about that. So if you guys want to find out more about it, hit up, Eric, connect with him. The Substack is growing. Uh, Smolsky Sunday Tribune. So much to offer here. This has been great. Thank you so much, Eric, for the time and energy and for being one of my. Here we go. Here comes the cheesiest part of the show. Palazzo Pals. Got to Listen,
3: we got to get a Palazzo Pals shirt for everybody who comes on. (laughs) Got to do it. Make it happen. Uh, You Uh, are. Thank you so much for having me. I've said this before. I love the energy you bring i think uh the your the content you put out there but also just uh the the humanity and the work that you do and the humanity and the videos you put out and the energy it's uh it's top notch it's great um and i hope uh, more people learn from it and take stuff from it
2: thank you brother i appreciate that kindly all the best to you and yours everybody out there have a great rest of your week enjoy the knowledge here we'll catch you next
1: time